friends, my name is Malika Starnes and I'm a certified wedding planner and venue owner turned business strategist and mindset coach. I'm on a mission to help women finally call it quits. You heard me right. This show is all about getting comfortable with the seemingly uncomfortable things like quitting, giving up, and surrendering to the things that no longer serve us in life and business. It's about getting permission to only do what matters and stop doing what no longer serves you. It's about inspiring you to become your own muse. Each week, I'll share inspiring stories and have authentic conversations with incredible women who embraced the slowdown and made some major decisions to be more intentional. Freedom and grace show up here often, and I hope you will too. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to a super special bonus episode of the Musings with Malika podcast. Now, today's episode is an oldie but goodie because this episode was recorded quite some time ago with my dear friend, Natalie Frank. Since recording this episode, Natalie has poured her heart into a beautiful new book called Built to Belong. Now, I'm super excited to tell you all about Natalie's new book And this episode is going to give you a glimpse into how much community over competition truly means to my friend, Natalie. Natalie's new book, Built to Belong, Discovering the Power of Community Over Competition, is a fresh and inspiring call to community and connection, and it's perfect for anyone who's feeling alone and ready to set off on a journey to true belonging. Many of us feel more alone than ever despite living in the most connected society in human history. We need to belong in the same way that we need oxygen. Our physical bodies require it. We perform better and have greater success as individuals when we are connected to the collective. This is just a glimpse into the beautiful description of Natalie's new book, Built to Belong. You can find a copy of Built to Belong over on Amazon using the link in today's show notes. I cannot wait for you to dive into this episode. I cannot wait for you to hear all that Natalie has to say about more community and how you can build those strong connections in this journey of entrepreneurship. I'm so, so thrilled that you are here today for this awesome episode. Let's dive in. All right, friends, I am thrilled because today we have someone so incredible on the show. I'm so pumped about chattling. Um, Oh my gosh, I just said chattily because we are chatting <laughs> with Natalie. <laughs> what a great start to this episode. I'm really excited about that. I think that should be like a new word. Do you agree with that, Natalie? I, I think love it. I might trademark <laughs> it after this recording because oh, wow. I love it. And you know what the best part about it is? Okay, I we before we got on the call, we were just talking about life and how it's just, it's been nonstop. And even between you and I, we tried to do this interview and, you know, COVID happened. So many things have unfolded and that's life. Yes, that you know? is hilarious. That's so funny. And you know what? Sometimes we make mistakes and things happen oh. and really beautiful things come out of them. And so I'm running with that word. It is a new part of my vocabulary. <laughs> we are chattling with Natalie today. <laughs> um, but I'm so excited and thankful to have you on the show and just wanted to start off by expressing my gratitude for you really carving out this time. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Malika, for giving me the honor of being here. I really am grateful. 
You are incredible. So just to tell you guys a little bit about today's episode and to really dive in, Natalie has been such an expert in my career and in my life of someone who has just really led the charge on what community is and what community means. And so when I started my creative business back in 2016, um, I was just really trying to find people that were working like me in coffee shops and on laptops. And I had just come out of my full-time nine to five. And it was one of those things where I'm like, I know other people are doing this, but where are they and do they live where I live? And so I really started to kind of look for my people and to try to really cultivate community around being this new like freelancer, working from home, doing my own thing. And at the time I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and someone asked me if I had heard about the Rising Tide Society and they told me about Tuesdays Together. And from there, I received an invite to the Charlotte chapter. And the people that I met there, I mean, it was like walking into this world where I realized that there are so many people who are out there running creative businesses and that want to work together to build this community over competition, just lifestyle, not just this thing that they're saying. And I found these people, it was at a house, the meeting that we went to was at someone's house. And I'm actually still friends with multiple people from that initial meeting to this day. And I mean, just people I never would have met and the collaborations that grew from that and the projects that were created from that and just how my business has evolved and grown since being a part of that community has been a game changer. And I think that something that's so important and the reason that I wanted to, you know, have this conversation today is because being intentional about community, and I would imagine that you agree with this, Natalie, has the power to really transform the way that you do business. And it truly can be life-changing. And I think that you have really mobilized what community means to small business owners and creatives through both the Rising Tide Society and your role as the head of community at HoneyBook. And so I just couldn't think of a better person to have to be on the show today to talk about, you know, intentionality and how we can be more intentional about community today. So. Oh my gosh, you just completely, I I don't know what else to say. I mean, look, I'm so grateful and so just honored that you're a part of this community, but also to hear from your experience in Charlotte that you had this connection, you had this ability to meet people and to connect and to collaborate and find a group of like-minded and similarly hearted human beings, which is the goal, you know, in business, it can be so hard. So let's dive in. I'm ready to talk about it. Absolutely. That was such an amazing experience. And, you know, I think right now with everything that's going on, all of us are really navigating so many different things in life. You know, we have this global pandemic happening and just navigating kind of this time where, isolation and what can feel like a really lonely season for some business owners or for people who are just trying to make sense of how to be intentional about community right now in the world that we live in. So tell us a little bit about that and and your feelings towards, you know, creating community in the world that we're in. 
Yes. So I think the the first thing that I will say is that community really must be part of the foundation from which we build a business. You know, we, we can't set out to build a business alone or in isolation or by ourselves because ultimately when we are able to look at our business as a part of a larger ecosystem, as a part of something greater than just the LLC or the sole proprietorship that we're bringing to the world, it enables us to really grow and thrive together with other people and to be a part of doing good in our community, to be a part of what makes our local communities great and, you know, our our more broader communities great. And so that's the first thing. The first thing I want to kind of start with is understanding that if you run a business, you don't run a business in isolation. You don't run a business in a silo, separate from other people, separate from other businesses. That's the first way of of being intentional is to, to get that kind of foundational mindset started, that to build a business is to embrace that you are a part of a community, albeit, you know, your local community or if you're a creative entrepreneur, a part of the creative economy, um, you know, if you're an event planner, a part of the event planner industry, photographer, photography industry, so on and so forth. And why that's important is because, you know, in, in traditional business mindsets and, tr- and even some modern business mindsets, oftentimes competition is placed before community. Oftentimes when we think about building a business, we think about what it means to compete in a scarce ecosystem or environment for limited resources against other people that are doing what we are doing. However, in really embracing community, you know, we have to adopt a different mindset. We have to challenge those narratives that pit us against one another, that, you know, make us competitor and competitor, and instead look at ourselves as a part of that ecosystem, a part of that greater community. And that's that really is, at the end of the day, where community over competition thrives. It thrives in a space where we keep competition rightly ordered, where we say, we're not saying that, that it's community without competition. We're not saying, you know, as business owners, we're not going to compete. We acknowledge that there's going to be competition and actually that there are healthy attributes of competition. Competition in a lot of ways is like a performance enhancing drug for the brain. You know, there is a reason why when two athletes are in the arena together, um, you know, going head to head, whether it's tennis or think of any kind of competitive endeavor, that they perform at their greatest capacity. And often Oftentimes, for a lot of us, being in that competitive space actually gets our adrenaline pumping. It gets us, you know, excited and innovating and trying and working harder. So competition, we're not saying it's a bad thing. What we're saying is people should always come first, that we can compete, but we must always remember that our values are to build others up, not to tear them down. That we believe that there is a way to go about competition, you know, in a healthy manner where the playing field is equitable. It's really important where, you know, we uphold a a shared set of rules, a moral code where we don't cheat, right? We don't tear one another down. We don't go out of our way to harm a competitor in any way, that we leave the competition in the arena. That's another important part of healthy competition that we say, look, we're going to compete in business, but if something, if you really need something, if your your life is on the line, your family's on the line, if we are facing an existential threat like a global pandemic, okay, we surrender our competition because that gets left in the arena. That is left behind because when we are facing something hard or difficult or we're facing a struggle or someone is going through something 
really, really difficult in their life, we surrender the competition and we step forward as human beings and we support one another, right? We set aside the competition and we step into community. So I want to address that. I think I think sometimes when, you know, we're talking about how to be intentional about community in the world and, you know, we're having these conversations about the idea of community over competition, a lot of business owners at first glance of this topic, they roll their eyes and they say, wait, you're trying to tell me you don't believe in competition. And I, I always loved, I just have to set the record straight that no, we, we actually love competition. I believe in business competition, that it's healthy. It can be a great thing for us when it's rightly ordered, when community comes first, when we're intentional about cultivating relationships, when we don't see one another as, you know, transactional opportunities. We're not going into a networking, networking event and saying, what can I get out of everybody in this room? How many business cards can I collect? That, that is not a community mindset, right? That's a transactional mindset. It's about walking into a space and saying, you know, what can I offer? What value can I give? How can I support? How can I listen? How can I learn? How can I serve? Not how can I take? And that is the heart of this. That is that is where, you know, ultimately when I look from, from a macro level now, having, you know, built communities over the last five years, prior to that, I was a full-time wedding photographer for about seven almost eight years and, you know, kind of transitioning out of solopreneurship into community building and community leadership is acknowledging that, you know, the way in which we engage with one another, whether it's online or in person, the goal of that interaction, the intent that each of us brings to the table when we connect in relationships ultimately is one of the most important factors for whether we step into community with a desire to really build relationships and look out for one another and build one another up or whether we walk in with a different mindset. And ultimately, you know, we use community as a guise or a mask to hide, you know, traditional competitor beha competitive behaviors of business that frankly, I believe have no place in, in genuine community that I think, you know, when we step into a space to form relationships, we have to be looking out for the interest of others. We have to be stepping in to support others. Um, and, and we really worked, especially on the Honeybook and Rising Tide side, to prioritize that mindset in everything that we do, you know, from, from serving the community with educational resources to, you know, amplifying the voices within our community to creating, um, you know, support systems for our different local groups. And, you know, in the face of everything with COVID and how it really just decimated our small business community, you know, looking for ways to unite people together to create these really strong, you know, sort of like interwoven frameworks of community where no business owner is alone, where no one's facing these constantly changing regulations and laws and advice from, you know, health organizations without having a group of small business owners around them to bounce ideas, you know, off of one another, to walk through situations together, to face this hardship with other people in their corner. It's, it's really important, especially when we're in the struggle, you know, that that's where community shines. Wow, that is such a beautiful, I think, you know, definition to everything that you stand for and have stood for, you know, since the beginning. And I love that you gave definition to community over competition in the way that you did, because I think that as entrepreneurs, when we're thinking about starting a business with intentionality, you know, and that's what the show is all about is being more intentional and deliberate is that a lot of what you just said is that starting foundation point for so many other mindset shifts that can happen just from embracing that one thought. 
And it's so funny because it has this huge ripple effect on the way that you operate as a business owner when you go into that mindset of relationship and people over profit and impact over income. And when you start to really look at community holistically, you know, for me, it has looked like what community am I going to serve through my services and our products? What community am I going to build up? And how am I going to highlight other business owners as I grow my business? What other business owners can I work with to accomplish my goals? You know, so when you have this community mindset, I think that it also has this beautiful ripple effect on all these other mindset areas of your life. And the way that you just defined that, I feel like was so spot on with like, this is the foundation. This is that good, solid ground that you can really build this thing on so that when things come along and try to shake us like this pandemic, that's what really still stands strong and firm. And that is what I just love so much about, you know, being a part of the communities um, that you have worked so hard um, alongside others to build, because I feel like that at all different seasons of my business, no matter whether I was just starting out or whether I was in a rocky, like hard place, or I was like killing it, super successful, all the clients, you know, hitting all the milestones, all the way down to COVID, you all have been so consistent. And throughout those various seasons, and I'm sure that you can speak more into this too, is that, you know, community can always be there, it just might look different in different seasons. But when it's strong, and when it has that really powerful belief system, like you just explained, I think it can just really evolve with us as business owners. And I think that's why you all have built such a large community, because it really can meet people right where they are. And so, you know, one of the things that I would love to hear about is how has community looked different and evolved for you in different seasons of your life and just kind of the different times that you've navigated? Yes. So I want to tackle this question from two perspectives. The first is really the in-person versus online conversation, which is something that is super relevant, especially in 2020 this year. Our, and, and then secondly, I want to talk about it from these seasons of transformation that we experience as human beings and how community can kind of show up differently for us in those different seasons. But first, let's look at in-person and online. You know, I, I'm the first one to admit, we were talking about this actually, well, we talked about it when we started off, we're like, we all make mistakes. Look, I'm the first person to admit that my initial views of what made a strong community were flawed. When I first started to build Rising Tide, I thought the answer to our loneliness and I thought the answer to this really deep ache in my heart to find other people that were building businesses and wanted to support one another was to get people together in person. I thought the only way to build deep connections and relationships were in person. And let me tell you something, I could not have been more wrong because I think that in all seasons of our life and dependent upon our abilities and our, our situations, we all engage in community in different ways. You know, um, actually this, this season in particular with COVID and, you know, the reality that we need to stay six feet apart is not a new reality for a lot of people. There are a lot of people, uh, in our world, in our community, that have different types of diagnoses. One of them is cystic fibrosis. And for people with CF, you know, 
you are not supposed to come within six feet of any other patient who has CF. Essentially, you carry a bacteria in your lungs that if you could pass it to somebody else with CF, you know, you, t- you both might not have the same um, bacteria and you can actually cause one another to get sicker. And so these guidelines were released several years ago that CF patients should always remain, you know, six feet apart. And it almost, it was so, um, so widely known that it actually created a movie. There's a movie called, I think, Five Feet Apart, which is a story similar to this. And, um, you know, we have a family member with CF and, you know, this is a conversation that I had in light of COVID of saying, you know, how do we cultivate communities in, in worlds, in a world where we can't come within six feet? And, you know, she said to me, Natalie, that's been my reality for my entire life. And it was very eye opening, I think, to my own experience and limitations of really understanding what it would be like to walk through life, life with, with knowing that and knowing that you can't come within six feet and, you know, come to find out that there are incredibly impactful and deep relationships built within CF communities where, you know, CF patients and people who who have cystic fibrosis can't ever come within six feet of one another. They can't even attend their own fundraisers for their disease because they can't come together physically. And yet they've created some of the most extraordinary communities and built lifelong relationships by being able to connect over the internet. And so learning this and understanding this and, and better trying to open my own heart and my own mind with my preconceived notions of what makes a strong community came about in this season alone. So how does community serve us in different seasons of our life? Look, there are going to be seasons where we can engage in person, where we have the ability to engage in person. We have the time, we have the financial means, because again, for parents, this means oftentimes childcare or having support where they can, you know, um, leave their child with someone and then go to an in-person meetup or go to a hobby they want to get involved in or attend a, you know, type of, of, organizational activity. And that's not always going to be the case. So community will show up and serve us in the seasons that, you know, we have the ability to meet in person, but also in the seasons when we cannot, when we're dealing with chronic illness, when we have financial limitations, where, you know, we are in a postpartum season or where we don't have childcare, all of those different nuances. Community meets us where we are. We just have to be willing to invest, you know, in that format and to fully connect and strive to connect, not just to consume. And that's, I could go on a whole nother tangent on that, but, you know, a lot of um, research that's been done about social media and mental wellness never really takes into account, with the exception of a couple studies, the difference between consuming behavior, meaning I scroll, I scroll, I scroll, and connection behavior, meaning I go onto these platforms online to engage, to connect, to build deep relationships. Those are two entirely different mindsets and action points. And I think it's just really important that, you know, in order to be intentional in different seasons of our life with community, we must understand where where community needs to meet us. And that's the first part of this, in person or online and understanding that both of those formats have tremendous value for us, whether it's getting together to Tuesdays together in person, or, um, you know, let's say you are... um, a member of the military, you're a military creative and you're getting ready to move and you don't have an in-person group or you can't get to one for whatever reason, we also have an online community of military creatives that have a life, a shared life experience that they connect on. Similarly, you know, we have a creative and chronically ill chapter for um, creatives who, you know, have a chronic illness and that group meets meets online as well. So it, it looks like wherever you need community to meet you, be willing um, and able to seek it out in in those seasons. And then the second part, you know, is, is how does it really evolve in different seasons of our lives? Look, community impacts us from 
the first moment that we come to exist. I often say that, you know, we are created to connect because it is by connection that we come to exist in the first place. And, you know, from that first spark of human life, we are essentially reliant on another human being for nine months. Connection is in our DNA. Belonging is built into us. And so, you know, whether it is growing, even in your business, the first moment you raise your hand and say, I want to start a business and you need community to look like mentorship. You need community to look like guidance and education and and having someone lead you, having someone teach you, having someone, you know, mentor you and equip you with the tools that you need. Maybe it's an apprenticeship, but community can look like many different things in that season of growth and that season of learning. And then as you move forward, you start to learn those things. You start to develop your own understanding of your craft, of your skills, of what it takes to run a business. And now you enter a season of of contribution where you can actually contribute to the communities that you're a part of, where you can start to share your insights and your knowledge and become a resource and an educator for other people. And that's a powerful season as well, a season where you can take what you've learned and the information that's been passed down to you and apply your unique lens on it, right? Apply your unique perspective. So often I think people are afraid to share what they think or feel or have learned because they think, oh, well, somebody else has talked about this. Somebody else has written about this. Somebody else has built a business doing that. And, you know, I like to believe that that's only evidence that you can do it too and that you can do it with your unique perspective. And then we take a step further in an even deeper season of of life um, where, where let's say you've done this for a while and you are a leader and you've actually stepped into, you know, I'm using business as a metaphor here, but I want to say this applies to anything. And I'll I'll share in a second an example of this on the personal side of my life. But, you know, maybe you're prepared to be a leader of a community. So you go from, you know, needing a mentor to contributing to the collective to actually leading, actually stepping up to facilitate initiatives or lead a local group or, you know, run for office, run for a position. That type of leadership is very much needed. And I think it's really important to continue to encourage people to step up and to lead and to not be afraid to do that. And look, for each of us, we're going to approach different communities differently. And this is where I want to use myself as an example. Obviously, when we look at Rising Tide and we look at HoneyBook, you know, I'm a leader in those communities. That's the role that I I play in in those spaces. However, there are communities where I'm the novice. There are communities where I need mentorship. There are communities where I look to others for guidance. I I struggle with infertility. And the first time we went through uh, infertility treatment, I joined support groups and I was the girl in the group asking the questions. I was not the leader. I was not the contributor. I was not providing anything of value to anyone else. I was simply there because I needed help. And I I, I say that because I think it's important for people to note that you can be a leader in one community and still desperately need to be on the receiving end of a different community. And that's just part of life, you know, that's just, that's just part of life. And after, you know, we went through fertility treatment um, a couple of times and were successful with my son. Now, you know, my husband and I are embarking on another round of treatment to hopefully, you know, have a, have a second baby if we're fortunate enough. And I'm definitely not in a state of leading, but I'm more of a contributor. I can share about my experiences. I can share about the hardships. I can encourage other women and men and people who are embarking on this journey and are uncertain or struggling or facing similar um, hardships that we faced with my unique situation. And I can do that through the lens of knowing I've walked through this once. 
and I'm able to share some of my experience. And, you know, my hope is that a couple years from now, maybe we've gone through this again, maybe we've had success again, or even if we haven't, that I'm able to then step into a different role and maybe move into a deeper role of contributing or maybe moderate one of these groups or contribute in some different way to give back to the community that has given so much to me. And I think that's part of the process for us, right? For all of us is saying, you know, as we go through different stages of our lives, whether that's personal or professional, to identify what we need from community and also to identify what we have to offer. And as we take, always be remembering that we can give back to the same spaces that gave to us. Yes, I love that so much. And I think that hearing that you can be a leader in one area and a contributor in another area and just kind of be at these different phases and different levels of leadership is so important because I do think that a lot of people shy away from community and from evolving kind of in the community space um, when they start to think about, well, you know, I can't lead that. I'm not qualified enough. Or I can't be the leader of this thing because I haven't been through enough of this. And I just love how you have so beautifully described how we can be at those different phases of leadership. And then also for people who have been in leadership roles before, um, speaking into when they are in communities, like you said, where they're maybe newer, or maybe it's the first time, how they can also be empowered through the thought that it's okay that I'm not a leader in this space. Um, and that I am new and that I am learning this. And I think that is just so beautiful because I do think that is one of the things that um, really tends to create a lot of fear, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt in how people, you know, tend to show up and lean because they may think to themselves, well, you know, I haven't been through that, so I don't have anything to contribute to this group. So, you know, I'll just kind of sit back and just kind of watch and feel things out. But everyone has a different aspect of leadership that they bring to the table. And I just adore that so much about what you said. I think that's amazing. And I also just want to say that I think you are such an incredible leader. And one of the things that I have truly enjoyed about your leadership and just how you've continued to show up in the creative space and the entrepreneurial space is that you always lead from a place of passion about the cause that you're behind. And one of the things that I really admire about you, um, and this just especially recently is something that I've really seen, is with everything that was happening with small businesses when this pandemic hit, you know, there was a lot of issues with funding. There was a lot of things surrounding, you know, creative business owners losing clients and people having to cancel and things like that because of the pandemic. And you immediately just stepped up and was like, this is an opportunity for us to foster this community, save small business, reschedule, don't cancel, and just rallied around that and got people so fired up about keeping this thing going and keeping the hope. And to me, you know, leadership is being able to step in and say, this is what I stand for. I'm a part of this community and built this community because these are my beliefs. And here's that in action. And I love that. You're such an action taker. You get me so fired up. Like every time I see yourself, I'm like, yes, Natalie, like this is exactly what we need to be talking about, you know, right now. And so as a leader, I think that we all really 
have seen, and I personally have seen you really stand up for what you believe. And so for people who may be leading a community or who may be in the process of kind of starting a community, whether it's for their business or whether they've decided in this moment that there is a community that they need to show up and lead and serve for, talk to us and let's chat a little bit about how being intentional about the way that you lead has grown and nurtured the communities that you serve. Yes. Look, the the biggest bit of advice I would start with here is understanding that as a leader, you don't have to do it all and you don't have to be perfect, but you need to operate from a place of integrity. And that is the most important thing. Um, I think a lot of times, you know, you actually, you mentioned something as you were talking, you said a lot of people don't feel qualified to lead. And look, there are going to be seasons where we're not qualified and, you know, maybe we're not called in that season to step forward and lead. But what I actually find more often is that fear tells us the lie that we're not qualified. Fear tells us that we're not equipped. Fear tells us that we can't possibly be the person to lead or the one to make an impact or the voice that can create change. And I found the opposite more often than not to be true. I found that the people, the very people who question whether they are qualified to lead are the people we need leading. Um, yeah. You know, we, we <laughs> don't need more people leading who narcissistically run into the abyss, believing that everything that they do is, is, you know, yeah. the only way and the perfect way. And they don't listen to other people's opinions and they don't stop to take critical feedback and they get defensive in light of new information. That's not what this world needs. What this world needs are more leaders that say, I'm going to question maybe my own ability to lead because I care so deeply about the people who need to be led. I care so deeply about the cause. I care so deeply about this injustice in the world or this problem that I'm seeing or this hardship that other people are facing that I know somebody has to step up and fix it. I know somebody has to use their voice to make a change. And I just want to make sure that I'm the one that needs to do this. I want to make sure that that I do it in the right way, that I'm intentional. And so there's that fine line, I think, between enabling fear to hold us back um, and to kind of whisper those lies in our ears that tells us we're not enough or we're not qualified or we're not capable. And also on the flip side of that, discerning that we indeed are capable, that we indeed are enough, that we indeed are able to lead and to lead well in the spaces where we are called to make an impact and to move forward boldly and bravely in the pursuit of that. So it's not about being perfect. It's not about leading everywhere. You'll notice in everything that I do, I lead with a concentration and a focus on small business. So, you know, even when it comes to, you know, like a, a, a prime example of this is, you know, with our current conversations around racial injustice and the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, this has been an area where I acknowledge as a white woman, this is not a place where my voice is the one that should be heard. This is a place where I have a responsibility to amplify the voices of, of Black people in this conversation and to use my platform to do that. Now, as it applies to Rising Tide, this was an area where, you know, as a team, we sat down and we said, okay, how do we support Black business owners? How do we amplify the impact of these Black-owned businesses in our community that also in doing research recognized were more deeply impacted by COVID than their white counterparts, right? Um, have decreased access to funding. The more research that I do, the more realizations I'm having, just like I did with COVID, where it's like, no, we, ha we have to take action. We ha action is the key. Even if I'm not the one to lead, can I be the one to amplify? 
Can I be the one to facilitate? Can I be the one to listen and to learn? Can I be the one to change where I can change and where I can make impact and in conversations where I can have conversations? And so it's looking at it through the lens of, for all of us, in all you know different types of situations in our lives, whether it's small business or healthcare or motherhood or injustice, it's saying, what is my role? And ultimately, you know, how can I, how can I lead, whether it's leading from the front or it's leading from behind or it's leading through amplification or it's leading through listening, learning and doing work, committing um, to long-term change. And so I think, I think in, in all aspects for everyone listening to this who has asked themselves, you know, am I a leader? Can I be a leader? I would ask a question, you know, to follow up that question and say, what is it in the world that you see needing to change? What is it in your industry, perhaps, that you see needing to change? What is it about your life that you believe could be improved? Because Rising Tide was born from loneliness. Rising Tide was born from my own depression and my loss of connection with other people and the feeling that I... I was tired of competing. I was tired of feeling like everyone was just out to tear one another down and rip one another apart. And nobody was stepping up to really build one another up, to really cheer for one another, to fight for one another. I didn't see it. And that's what I wanted to fix. That was my small corner and contribution was, can I do that? And I, I brought along other people that were better than me, you know, at doing that. I, I worked to create a team. I say this all the time. I'm like, if, if you want to leave, you don't have, you also don't have to be the best um, person in the room. That's not your, your role as a leader. It, it's having the self-awareness and the ability to see your weaknesses and to say, I want to bring somebody else up here. I want to amplify this person here. I want to hire this person here. I want to bring this voice here because that's leadership. Leadership isn't directing the attention to oneself. It's picking a direction and moving all of us forward towards that direction together. And sometimes that even means empowering people to rise above you, empowering people to actually exceed you. And, and that sometimes is leading. That's what I mean by leading from behind. Sometimes leading literally means, can I empower this other person to build a bigger community, to build a bigger business, to reach higher platforms? Can I, can I help even with a small contribution you know, to this other individual and their goals and what they achieve. And oftentimes, you know, some of the most impactful leaders throughout history, um, their names will never be remembered. Their names haven't been. And and I think I think that's a shame. But I also think that some of the people in my life who have led me, my grandmother, my mother being two of those people, um, anything that I go on to do, any impact that I have ever made is because of those women, Right. And I think we all stand on on the shoulders of others. We all, all of us, and all of our leaders do as well. We, you know, ultimately then have a responsibility to to lift somebody else onto our shoulders, right, and pass the torch in different seasons. So sorry for rambling. I sometimes I get a little passionate and a little fired up, but I, I just think there are so many people out there listening who are natural born leaders who could make such a tremendous impact and change on the world, and. I don't want for one second them to feel discouraged or to believe the lies that they're not enough because I think that a little dose of self-awareness and concern about am I going to make an impact is actually a good thing and a sign that you're on the right track. That is so powerful. Every single word that you said and 
one of the things that when I set out to create this podcast and lead the charge to quitting is one of the things that I really, really relate to because I just feel like laying things to rest and setting things down tends to be something that we as entrepreneurs, as women, as moms, as friends, as sisters, we just don't really give ourselves permission to do. And, you know, when we think about the things that would stretch us and that would allow us to leave our mark on the world or that would allow us to impact others, those are the first things that we talk ourselves out of. And, you know, when we think about some of the other things that we tend to kind of instantly quit doing, it's like we kind of start to come from this place where if it's going to stretch us and really impact others, we let fear talk us out of it faster mm. than, you know, I, and I just love so much what you said, because I completely agree. I think that there are people who will listen to this and who will hear these words and they will feel ignited and that they will feel inspired to take action. And then there's this little voice that'll creep in and they'll say, but wait, but what about, but this, and I think that you have spoken um, and said so many powerful and encouraging words into their hearts that they can really take and move forward to because that's what we need right now we need leaders that are leading with heart and bravery and courage and I think that in this season especially in always you know like you mentioned leading from a place of integrity and what you really believe in and standing for something is something that is really powering us through this time of just kind of uncertainty and not knowing, you know, people who are really certain about what they believe and what they're willing to fight for is what is driving us forward in this really uncertain time. And so I just love everything that you said. And, you know, I have really had the pleasure from being a part of the Rising Tide, from being a part of Honey Book, of seeing that when you're this fired up as you just were, and when you are as passionate as you just spoke, that that just comes out in all aspects of what you do. You can't contain it, right? It's like literally a fire. Like it's like I am spreading this with everyone I know because I'm so on fire about this mission. And so being a part of the communities that we've discussed today, I've been able to really see how you engage with communities. And I think it's so special because even though I have never met you in person, I 100% feel like I know you personally. <laughs> and, you know, when we got on the call today, I was just like, hey, Natalie, you know, you have this really personable approach and personal approach to leadership. And I think that the way that you lead makes all of us, I think I speak for everybody when I say that we as members are like, that's our Natalie. Like we love Natalie. She's a part of our community with us too. And I think a huge part of leadership is being alongside the community that you're serving and who you are showing up for and having that vulnerability with them and just approaching things from that personal level. And so with that, I think that Staying connected right now is so important, especially in the middle of what we're experiencing, but also showing up vulnerably when you connect and having that engaging form of leadership. And so as we wrap things up, because I literally could talk to you all day about this because you just have so many incredible things to share about community, but I would love for you to leave us with some tips and advice for staying connected to the community that you've built in that personal way. You're completely right. Staying connected to the communities that we are a part of starts by 
I, I call it being in the mud and the muck with people, which maybe isn't the best analogy, but I, I kind of think of small business as being messy and hard. And oftentimes, you know, it leaves us on our knees. Like it really yeah. does. It knocks us to the ground and it's it's muddy, it's messy, it's mucky. And I think in all aspects of of human life and human experience, the best leaders are the ones that don't stand on a pedestal above the rest, that don't stand on a soapbox and, you know, yell down at the crowd, but instead do one of two things, maybe both of two, both of these things. One, they get down on the ground with the people that they serve and they live out life with those people. They understand the pains. They understand the frustrations. They can, you know, bring about a vision of hope and move people towards a shared goal or idea. And then at the same time, they aren't building a soapbox, but instead they're setting out to build a stage. And why a stage is important is because like I've talked about with elevating other people, um, staying connected looks like creating a, a platform where you can actually invite members of your community onto the platform to share their experiences, to lead, to be a part of, of growing and moving beyond just the leadership of one person. And that's, you know, yeah. something that we've learned with Rising Tide and at HoneyBook, which is ultimately, you know, our community is only as good as the people in it. It's only as good as the leadership in it. And so when we can elevate and empower people to step up and lead their local groups, to host a meetup in Charlotte, to host a meetup in Monterey, California, to host a meetup in Boston, when we can empower people to do that and they are dedicated to the same spirit and cause that we are, we ultimately can stay connected in a different way. So I think you know, it looks like being involved with people where they're at and not, you know, preaching from above, not directing the attention to oneself, not trying to elevate yourself as a leader above the people that you're serving, but actually do the opposite. Um, yeah. Simon Sinek has a book called Leaders Eat Last, and it is mm. one of my favorite leadership books. And in in that book, he talks a lot about this idea that um, you know, very often the leaders should be the last ones to eat. The leaders should be not the ones that get the credit, but the ones that deal with the problems, right? Like the leaders yeah. should be um, putting their own life on the line for the people that they serve, not trying to reap the rewards of the hard work of others. And I think that if that is the model of leadership, if that's the goal that we set out to have when we build community or we invest in our businesses and we look at ourselves as a leader in those spaces, we're, we're going to be able to make the impact that we want to make and we're going to be able to be the leaders that we want to be. Yeah. That is so good. I think that one of the things, well, many things that we can really pull from this conversation is that, you know, you have really did a lot of work of making sure that you are leading intentionally. And that's why I'm so glad that we were able to have this conversation today. And I'm so thankful for you because I really do think that, you know, leadership is, yes, it is a role that we fill in our life. And therefore it does need that inner work piece. It does need that intentionality piece. And so I'm so thankful for you, like I said, taking the time today. And as we wrap things up, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to this right now to connect with Natalie online and to um, check out everything that she's doing through the Rising Tide Society, through HoneyBook community, and just through her platform as well, because she is really standing up and speaking to a lot of powerful things and leadership and just how you can start to be more intentional about community in your everyday life and in your business right now. And so again, Natalie, I'm so super thankful for you. And I think that 
after listening to this, there are going to be so many people who are just really fired up and ready to be more intentional and show up for their communities that they're already a part of. Seek out communities that can help them to move their lives and their businesses forward with more intentionality. And also to look and evaluate how they are showing up in the communities that they are contributing to and how they can start to view themselves as leaders and to let go of those limiting beliefs and those fears around the fact that they are so powerful and they have a voice and that they can lead those communities with grace and vulnerability and imperfection and really do something to majorly impact this world the way that you have. So thank you again for your time today. I'm so pumped. I feel like I could talk to you all day and I'm giving you the biggest virtual hug that I can possibly give. I'm so, so glad we got to have this conversation. Oh my gosh, Malika, thank you so much again. It was such an honor, such an honor. And I am just grateful for everything. So thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Musings with Malika podcast. If you want to be featured on the show, show me some love or connect with other incredible women who are doing less on purpose, head over to MalikaStarns.com. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, don't forget to hit subscribe. Thank you so much for being here. You're so amazing and you matter so much. See you next week.